Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Well, welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, and we are privileged today to be spending time with Mr. Todd Duncan. Todd styles himself as a sales entrepreneur and a practitioner, but he is actually a teacher of the first rank with more than 3 million students around the globe that he's mentored and taught primarily in the fields of real estate, mortgage, banking, and financial services, but also just in the art of living. Uh, He started out in his first career move as a real estate broker and loan originator, and over the next 12 years, negotiated and financed over 5,000 transactions. That success led him to launch the company that he calls the High Trust Company with a big vision, and that was how to transform the way sales professionals build their high-performing real estate and mortgage practices. So because he's taught so many people the whole principles of high trust, it's made a big difference in them achieving their personal dreams and professional dreams. Trust, such an incredible part of business and every relationship, and he helps by accelerating their emotional connections with clients. And that connection helps increase conversion and sets up the client for a lifetime of loyalty. He's sought after for speaking, for writing, for consulting, for coaching, and gives people vision, confidence, and plans, which are so key. I love his mantra. Trust yourself, trust your relationships, trust your faith and your future. And that sets in motion such a universe of possibilities. Somehow along the way, he's found time to author 17 books, including New York Times bestsellers, Time Traps, which are proven strategies for swamped salespeople. Almost sounds redundant since most (laughs) salespeople are swamped. And the game-changing book, High Trust Selling, Making More Money in Less Time with Less Stress. Every major media that's involved with business and productivity has featured Todd, and we're so excited that he's here. But along with these accolades, please know that he has also faced business failure. He's faced the untimely death of his wife, deep issues with his children, and he is a prostate cancer survivor. And all of those events have shaped and made him who he is. And Todd Duncan, thank you so much for being with us today on The Action Catalyst. It's a joy to be with you, Dan, and uh, thank you so much for those kind words and uh, look forward to our time together. Well, absolutely. You've had so many different twists and turns. Um, Whatever you would regard as sort of the main pivot points from point A to where you are now at point maybe B plus, because I know there's many more points to go, main pivot points and maybe influences and mentors along the way. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, we have, we have um, this idea in our life that, you know, we have a track that we're going to run on and and some call it life planning and, and some call it goal setting and some call it, uh, you know, vision casting, dream boarding. There's a host of things that happen with people in terms of, you know, recognizing that here's where they are and, and here's where they want to go. And I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned about all of that in one fell swoop is that whatever you think the future is going to look like, it's going to be different. And so pivoting is an art. And I think that, that far too often we're not ready for pivoting. So I tell people to, to make sure that they kind of write their goals and write their dreams and, and write their visions in pencil 
and and prepare to pivot because no matter how great your plans are and no matter how well thought out your career tracks are and those things that we kind of count on as certainty, life will throw us curveballs and life will interrupt and we have to be prepared um, to pivot accurately. So I you know, I think both professionally and, and personally, um, those pivot points are are, are points that allow us to either interpret a pivot as something um, negative, something positive, something I'm not sure yet, but I know that I have to do something, um, and a host of other emotions that go with it. Um, I, I, I think that pivot points can change your future, and I think that people need to understand that um, if you don't pivot when things aren't right, things will continue to get worse and things that are ignored that are priorities become bigger priorities and you you get forced to pivot. You get forced to pivot if you have a, uh, a diagnosis from a doctor that you have a heart condition because of your eating habits. You get forced to pivot when you're told that you have cancer and that you need to do something that wasn't part of the plan. You get forced to pivot when um, you're running out of money because you bought a company that was too large for you to, to scale and you've got to figure out out, how do I keep you know a roof over my head for my family? You you have to pivot when you sell your company and the the people you sell your company to um, actually rob you in, in essence and fire you from your own enterprise. You've got to you've got to pivot. And you know when when we lose loved ones, you've got to pivot. And um, so you know pivoting is art. Pivoting is a science. I had a big pivot with my dad. I was not doing well in college, and my dad was a doctor, and I thought I had to be a doctor. But my dad called me home from college one day. I had a 1.3 GPA, was not doing well, was in pre-med. And my dad said to me, he said, um, you know you don't have to be a doctor. And I was the first son, and I thought all along that I had to be a doctor. My dad wanted me to be a doctor. And uh, and when he told me in the driveway one day that, you know, you're much better at business than you are at, at science and biology, you know, you should go to business school. You know, that was a pivot that my father orchestrated that changed my life and arguably has changed uh, the world of millions and millions of people. And so these pivot, these pivots can be beautiful. They can be wonderful. They can be, you know, they can be um, life defining. Um, they, they also can be about survival. You know, I had to make a pivot when I bought a, a leadership company, way too big. I, I bought a, a leadership company I shouldn't have bought. I'm not a, a guy that's in an M&A company, you know, an M&A guy, mergers and acquisitions. But I went from a 25-person company to a 300-person company. And it was very clear that that within about six months, that was a wrong move. And, uh, and so I had to pivot. I had to do some hard things. I had to, to swallow my pride and, and sell, the, sell the company and lose money in the process and, um, and realize that, you know, that if I hadn't pivoted, I probably would have lost my marriage. And, you know, these pivots set up these, these, these amazing like domino effects that because of that pivot of selling a company I shouldn't have bought in the first place, I actually got to, to reclaim some really important years with my wife who um, within three years of that sale was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And had I not pivoted the way that I pivoted, I, I could not today look at you, Dan, and say, I finished really strong with my wife, you know, who died unexpectedly. So, you know, pivots happen. And, uh, and we've got to, you know, if we're above ground and we're still moving, um, we have a purpose. We have something to do. And no matter how bad life gets, no matter how many challenges get thrown our way, um, if you don't pivot, you die. 
you, know, you die emotionally, you die spiritually, you, die, you can die physically if you don't pivot. You know, if you don't do something right around health, you know, I've, I've had hundreds of men since my diagnosis with prostate cancer um, call and ask me, what should I do? You know, and to be able to, to encourage people to move quickly and to move appropriately when you have life-threatening, you know, circumstances is one of the best pieces of advice I ever got and then now have since given it away. So pivoting is, uh, it's part of life, man. <laughs> it is, it's just part of the deal. <laughs> But I also hear you adding another element, another letter P, and that's perspective. You know, your ability to look back at these things that at the time looked like complete stopping points. But in reality, that pivoting, you now see the benefits and you see the joy. And it's uh, that's perspective, which humans are uniquely able to do if they allow themselves. Well, you, ha- you almost have to, Dan. I mean, if you don't have a healthy perspective around pivoting, whether a pivot is an intentional, we're in, we're in a professional pivot right now that is really, really exciting, but it's also scary. Okay. And so at the same time, you have these two emotions, you have an emotion of, of excitement that you're going to do something now that you haven't done before. And then you have the emotion of, of fear, which can be either disabling or um, enabling, right? Uh, a lot of people think of fear as, as something that is negative and overwhelming and, and scary and, and all of that. And there's, there's elements of that that are true, but the very, very same fear that can be negative can also be exciting that, that I'm excited about um, what we're doing. It's purposeful. It's intentional. We're doing it for a reason. We're not just uh, you know, trying a one-off experiment here. And I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid about it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that fear and I'm thinking fear as an acronym would be um, feeling excited and ready. And a lot of people right. don't think fear is, <laughs> you know, that kind of emotion. But I, I think at the end of the day, perspective. So what does that really look like? Um, I think that perspective is about interpretation. And I think that perspective you know, one thing that, that I remember in the in the interview, I did an interview that you and I were discussing with Success Magazine, and it was all about failure. And, you know, I, one of the things I said is I said, you know, it, it, the key to life is not whether good stuff's going to happen or, and, and bad stuff's going to happen. Both of those are going to happen. The key is what is your perspective? So when good things happen, what is your perspective around gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation? And, and are you taking time when the good things happen to have a healthy perspective of things that, that really can anchor how you feel as a human being? We, we have a, uh, a neat thing that my wife and I do, and uh, um, it doesn't matter where we are, Dan. We can be in a car. We can be on a plane. We can be going for a walk. And, and all we do is we hold up three fingers uh, in front of each other. And it's a sign to right now, right there in this moment, what are you grateful for? What are three things right now that you are super grateful for? And we do that probably five or six days a week. And, and, and so our perspective around the joy we have in our life is super, super appreciated. Now, the perspective on the other side is, okay, this is scary. This was not part of the plan. Um, we've had perspective challenges in, in the last two or three years as we consolidate and grow and sign leases and sell buildings and, and do this and do that. And, and we've made some mistakes. And, and so the mistakes perspective is, okay, so what is good about this? It's not that mistakes are not going to be made. Uh, mistakes will be made. As long as you are walking on this earth, mistakes are going to be made. And, and the healthy perspective of a mistake 
is to not disable yourself mentally and, and, and criticize yourself emotionally because you made a mistake. The greatest news about a mistake is you have successfully figured out something that doesn't work. And so celebrate the mistake, but turn it into a lesson as fast as possible. Because what we don't want to do is make the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And so I remember in that, in that interview with Success Magazine and, 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 and having a conversation with Darren Hardy, I said, I said, people have, have to define setbacks as setups for comebacks. They have to understand that every challenge that they have in business and in life creates an opportunity for some level of growth, heart growth, emotional growth, intellectual growth, relationship growth, spiritual growth. There's, there's something that happens if your perspective is healthy when things aren't going according to plan that can actually not only get you through it, but help you grow as you, as you go through it. And I think a lot of people they don't have a healthy perspective about the stuff that is so often the setback. It's too, they're too fatalistic about it. They're too finalistic about it. They're, you know, some of the greatest breakthroughs we have had have come from answering a question around something where we have failed. And that is what is good about this? What is the lesson we learned? How does it make a difference in the future? How do we make sure it never happens again? You know, it's, it's really good. And so there's no, nobody on this planet that has succeeded at, at, at some level where they have fulfillment that hasn't had to change the way they approach failure, that hasn't had to change the way they approach, you know, the things that don't work. And so I think perspective is huge. Mm-hmm. Pivot and perspective, two key words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you've encountered some brick walls over the years. Everybody does where you're just trucking right along and then all of a sudden it's there. And you've been able to share some things in the last few minutes that have helped you deal with it. But what, what general advice would you give to somebody? Let, let's say it's a person starting a business or they're working in an organization, uh, raising a family and something completely unexpected happens. Are, are there some one, two, threes or processes or pause moments? I mean, what, what's the first reaction to that brick wall and how can people move forward? Um, well, so, so you just answered it. The, 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 first, the first and most important thing, anytime that we have a brick wall experience where something happens that, that kind of stops us in our tracks is we can't retreat. There is, there, there is and must be a willingness to go forward. Um, and it can be little teeny steps, but there must be a willingness to go forward. And I think the biggest lessons that, you know, that, that we can probably in, in our time together um, work through is the lessons of progress. And I think that, that no matter how large a setback is, um, there's a solution for it. And, and I think that's one of the things that I'd like everybody to understand is that, that, that every single thing that happens to us in our life that isn't part of our plan has a response. It has a solution. It has something that we can do. Um, it may not be clear in the moment. And that's why pausing and reflecting and, and I think seeking the counsel of, of wise people um, is, is, is one of those requirements. I, I, you know, I could not have gotten through um, a near disastrous business failure had I not had 
advisors. Um, Dan, you, you know, you're in, in close relationship with Mac Anderson and Mac's been one of my advisors for, uh, for life and helped me through a, a really tough business time. And, and so seeking advice, I think allows you to, you know, have that different perspective. I remember, um, one day after my, my wife died, I was in the hallway at our home and I was just sobbing. And I remember my, my, uh, oldest son who, who was 13 at the time, having lost his mother at that young age, stop in the hallway and look at me as his dad and say, dad, what's up? And I said, I, I, I don't feel that I can keep going. I feel like giving up. And, and my 13 year old said, dad, you have to do what you teach people all around the world to do. You've got to keep moving. And then he added, we need you. And when you, when you have, you know, difficulties and you have challenges, um, we, we have to keep moving. A good example, Dan, I like to share with people is, um, I was talking with, with, uh, with Tito Willenda, who is the grandson of Carl Willenda of the great flying Willendas. And I had been working on a book called life on the wire. And, and I, you know, these guys are a high wire act. They, they, they go everywhere in the world without a net, you know, and, and they've had some fatalities, but they, they, they had this kind of perspective about, you know, what, what, is, what is it like to be on the high wire? And I asked, I asked him, what's the relationship between the high wire in the circus, if you will, and the high wire in life? And he said, they're exactly the same. In the circus, if you're on the high wire, you can never stop moving. You will fall off. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as, as balance without movement. And it was a really interesting kind of juxtaposition that the only way to really stay balanced is to keep moving. And so I think that when the brick walls appear, there there needs to be movement. We have to keep moving. We have to keep looking for solution. We have to uh, we have to keep, you know, keep keep the kind of the 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 engine going to to otherwise we will die. We will create a a world in which um, you know pity takes over and fear takes over and doubt takes over and faith is questioned and and people give up and and they give up and they they end up living um, living at a level that is is so far below their greatness and so far below their potential and you know uh, you would think that 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 spending twenty five years of your life with the girl of your dreams. Um, would would be um, not able to ever be recreated or or you know rebirthed. I mean, how do you spend twenty five years with one person and then even think that there could be another person out there that you could spend another twenty five or thirty years with? And you know, perspective. My my wife, a day before she slipped into a coma, told my boys how much she loved them, how proud she was of them. And that I would probably date again and I would probably fall in love again and I would probably get married again. And I remember my wife saying to my boys, I want you guys to know I'm good with that. I want your dad to have his best life ever. And and that kind of stuff is just real. You know, that 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 we have chapters, we have seasons, we have we have moments in time where things are working. We have moments in time when things aren't working. And sometimes those things work, you know, against and for each other. And, but there's never this moment in time where you can just go, life is perfect. <laughs> you just can't because you can walk out the door of your office and get hit by a, a truck. You could, you know, um, get a diagnosis on the way home from your doctor that you have cancer. You could be told by your spouse that, you know, that they've, uh, that they've fallen out of love with you. I mean, there's, 
there's so much that can get in the way of living life well. And so um, if you don't keep going mm-hmm. and you don't keep improving and you don't learn the lessons and you don't seek progress, you will die. And I tell people, be more concerned. And Dan, this would be the big takeaway. Be more concerned with your direction in life than you are with your perfection in life. Because there is no such thing as a perfect life. The best lives ever lived are lives full of adjustment and full of pivot and full of responses and reactions and change. And you just can't, you just can't ever count on, on life just being, you know, it's not going to be simple. And then the other, the other issue that I think I'd like to say right here is, is that the bigger the dreams that we have, um, the more adversity we're going to have. Mm-hmm. If people have small dreams, they have low adversity. You know, there's there's not a lot to have to jump over if your if your dreams are really small. But if your if your dreams are big and and you and you have you know personally and professionally deep desires to somehow make a difference or make an impact, and you want to start a company or you want to do this this or that, the bigger the dream, the bigger the adversity, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the the riptides, the stronger the you know, the, the pushback. And, and so life has this funny way of, of giving us kind of this, how, how can something that I am so excited about be so hard? Well, the reason it's so hard is because you're really excited about it and maybe it hasn't been done by you before, but that doesn't mean it's not good. And that doesn't mean it's not valuable. And that's why stuff like you, Dan, doing uh, with action catalysts and podcasts and doing all this stuff is, is just, I mean, we can never stop learning. Or we, no. will, we will die. <laughs> that is, uh, couldn't be any more well said, I think, Todd. That's phenomenal. Uh, I work with college and university students in our sales program, and I'll often say, the bigger your goal, the bigger the problems. So one solution is just set small goals, then you'll have small problems. But then the day will come when you're mightily disappointed with your life and realize, whoa, I got a big problem. So Do you know that? Actually. Man, right there, I think you know, for anybody that's young, I I, uh, I was in Sydney, Australia a year, year ago, and we were on Sydney Harbor, and, and I was on a 100-foot yacht, and, uh, and the yacht on which I was standing was the prized possession of a guy who had met me 25 years earlier and who had decided that, that he was going to start a company in Australia that was going to take on the big banks because he felt that, 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 that the Australian people were being ripped off by banks kind of being in collusion and, and charging more than they actually had to charge. And, and he, he had a vow. He had a purpose. He had a, he had a dream to, to bring um, um, a, a product and, 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 and a tool to um, homeowners and consumers where the banks got revealed and, and, and in, in 25 years he said, I probably had 25 setbacks that any one of them could have taken the company down. But to your point, he said, what I kept my eye on is I kept my eye on the future. And if I made decisions today, right now, what would those decisions look like in two or three or four years? Or I would go out five years and I would say, if I don't make this decision, what might I be sorry for and what might I regret? And, and, and it started, it started just reminding me of this, this incredible truth that, that our life is a response 
to circumstances. That is it, whether it's professional or personal, whether we're you know 22 coming out of college or whether we're 32 or 40, it doesn't matter where we are. What matters is our life is a response to circumstances and the circumstances require choice and choice is hard, but choice is what determines ultimately the quality of our life. The choices that we make determine the level of life fulfillment that we have. And to make wise choices is really, really the key to life. So I tell people that that you're, you're going to have one of two things in your life that if there were anything that was 100% certain that I could say to you, you're going to look back, I'm going to look back, Dan, you're going to look back, everybody's going to look back on their life decisions. And there's only two responses to the decisions that you will have made in your life that you will be able to say. And one will be, I'm really glad I made that choice. And the other is going to be, I wish, I really wish I had made a different choice. It it just comes down to, I'm glad I did, or I wish I had. And so decision-making to me is one of the most powerful life disciplines that there, that there is that um, if, if my son, and I'll get a little personal here, but if my son has responded to the death of his mother by choosing alcohol and drugs to numb himself of that severe trauma, and I see it, and I understand it, and even he comes to me and asks for help. I have to make some decisions around what is the best thing for my little boy. My little boy is growing up and my little boy is involved in alcohol and my little boy is involved in drugs and and he's trying to heal a pain that he had nothing to do with. Mm. And I have to make a decision, what is the best thing for my son? And, And I got to a point where I recognized through therapy and through the professional advice of some people that are, are specialists in this area that if I don't do the hard thing, my son might die. My son might die from the very thing that he didn't create, but that he used as a tool to help him handle the pain of losing his mother. And I remember that day at 4.15 in the afternoon when I had a couple of guys show up at my house and lovingly with me by his side and my mom and dad by his side and my wife by his side escort him to a car and put him into a rehabilitation center to save his life as a 16-year-old, him pleading that he needed help. The hardest thing I've ever done was to send my son into rehabilitation. And at 7.30 that night, just three hours and 15 minutes later, I got a text on his phone from one of his friends. And the text, I'll never forget it, Dan, the text said, we scored the heroin. It's on tonight. <laughs> and I look at that window and I look at my little teeny boy who's six foot six and, and, and probably could take me down with a couple punches. And I look at his heart being anesthetized by this trauma and the solution to the trauma. And I realized that I was three hours away from potentially having a I wish I had instead of having made the hard decision. And now being able to say, I'm glad I did. And I can have a conversation with that 22-year-old today. And I can say, I'm glad I did what I did. 
And he still struggles, but I'm glad I did what I did because I gave him the tools for life to save his life. I ultimately have to let him make the choices, but I will never, ever, 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 ever regret having made that tough call. And I believe I saved his life. And that's so many of our life choices are not that level, right? They're not life and death. There are, but so many of our life choices give our life life or they rob us of, of life. And it can be, it can be a host of things. And we just got to understand there's only two outcomes. I wish I had glad I did. Glad I did. (laughs) Oh, Todd, the time with you, it really flies. And for various reasons, I feel as though you're speaking to me directly today. Mm. So thank you so much for the messaging and and for your heart, particularly, you know, words are just a tiny part of communication and you're coming through beyond your words. Oh, thanks. Well, it's a joy to, it's a joy to, to realize that um, the greatest gift we can give one another is the gift of, of wisdom. And I got a text while we were, uh, while we're on this uh, on this broadcast, and it's from my 22 year old son. I just uh, just looked down. And he said, "He said, heart, heart. Thank you for your wisdom." Just in the moment that we're having this conversation, <laughs> in, incredible, incredible, <laughs> and what an impact you made for him. Yeah, uh, there's so much encouragement in what you share with us, Todd. And uh, I'm so looking forward to people listening to this. Myself listening to it again. When my wife and I walk, we'll often listen to these podcasts so that she can get yeah. to know you and people that share what you share. And so on behalf of all of our listeners, can I just say thank you so much for, yeah. for just being a part of this today? Anytime, man. This is a, this is a real gift for me to be able to, uh, to be with your tribe. And uh, if I can just share one idea that makes a difference in their life, it'll be, it'll be a day well lived for me. And I wake up every day and I just uh, I ask one question. Uh, the question every day is, is whose life today can I make an impact in? And because of a relationship with you, Dan, you know, I hope that I can make an impact in, in hundreds or thousands of people's lives. And it's a, it's a great joy to have hung with you. We already have. You, you've given me a visual, a visual to share with my wife about these three things. Because Isn't that powerful? Similar, but these visuals are powerful. And that's a brilliant one. Awesome, man. Good. Thank you. And best you to bet. your family. And Thanks. keep sharing. Yeah. Anything we do to help, we're here for you. Thank you, Dan. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.